Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. to another exciting edition of SFP Now. Um, we're back. We've been away for a few weeks. Um, we've had lots of stuff going on. We've rebuilt the uh, website, uh, scifipulse.net, and, you know, we're just not really being able to put any shows out. But that's going to change. We've got some like, stuff coming up, um, and we're hoping to sort of, like, just continue from where we left off. Um, so, in that vein, uh, this week's interview is with... Um, an artist by the name of Anissa Tracy. She's um, she's very well known for, for cosplay at conventions, and she's actually carved out her own niche as the um, as the blonde baroness, um, which is a tip of the hat to GI Joe. Um, so we're not going to have any news this week, um, but we we'll hopefully bring that back in in, in the weeks to come. Uh, so for now, uh, here is uh, my interview with Alyssa Tracy. Interview. I'd like to welcome a very special guest to the show this week. We have um, Anissa Tracy, um, artist and uh, cosplayer extraordinaire, uh, known on the convention scene as the Blonde Baroness. And uh, we're all waiting with bated breath to see if there's going to be a duel between the, bon- between the Blonde Baroness, the Bond Baroness, whoever she is, and, um, and uh, the actual Baroness from G.I. Joe. Hi, Anissa, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. Um, I hope that intro did you justice. Um, I'm still trying to figure out who the Bond Baroness is. Well, I'm the blonde Baroness because the regular Baroness is brunette. Mm-hmm. So I created a character, um, blonde, the blonde yeah. Baroness, as a spinoff. And, um, you know, if we, if we come across um, an artist who's a redhead who gets into it, she'll probably be the uh, Scarlet Baroness. Oh, I like that. Because there is a, <laughs> um, a Scarlet character with G.I. Joe. Um, by herself, but she looks a little different. But I, I do like your idea there. That would be interesting, the three of them. Yeah, you know, so like uh, the three of them all going on on a covert mission together. <laughs> <laughs> Every guy's fantasy, right? Or <laughs> <laughs> nightmare, depending on the, on, depending on the guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, when was it that you were first, um, you know, get talk, talk, starting off about your artwork, really? Because um, I, I kind of want to uh, give a picture of a, a wider picture, because you're, you're an artist uh, first and foremost. 
Um, so when was it that you actually first realised that you could actually make a living out of your artwork and your photography? Um, I, I started out photography years ago, and um, I, I just had a natural eye for, for colour, for lighting. Um, my uncle was also a photographer. My aunt was an artist, so I grew up around it. I was really immersed in it. My dad was a huge art collector. So um, it was really always around me. And I started off with photography, and I specialized in photographing models, uh, musicians, actors. And then I went on, um, then I kind of got away from it. And then about three or four years ago, 2011, I did a painting as a, a gift for a friend, and I, I just knew that that's where I was supposed to be. It just kind of like everything came back to me that I, I knew that I was supposed to be painting. Mm. Well, you know, from the work I've seen, um, I've seen seen a bit of your work on your website, and um, I was especially impressed with the Jimi Hendrix uh, uh, pop art. Of course you were. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I didn't see one of Smash up there from Guns N' Roses. I think, I think that's got to be a must. <laughs> he, he's on, he is on my list. He's on my list to paint because I think he's quite an interesting character, and I do like their music. Mm. Yeah, you know, Pat Perry is um, is really humble for a for a new guitarist as well. From the interviews that I've seen him, he comes across as very very humble. You know, he doesn't yeah. buy into the whole fame stuff at all, really. You know, well, yeah, I think you have to you have to keep your head on straight, and uh, I think humble's definitely where it's at. Mm-hmm. Well, many, many paintings reflect elements of popular culture, um, and uh, the one piece, uh, Jimi Hendrix, that I just mentioned, but you know, uh, as a guitar, which is a guitarist in me, I guess that drew me to that one. But is there a particular uh, part of pop culture that you enjoy painting more than any other? Um, I mean, I lean towards people who who I like, who I can identify with. Um, I'm a big Jimi Hendrix fan, so that's one of the reasons why I chose him. I grew up listening to his music, and I I just think he's incredible. Um, so that spoke to me. And then I, I like Frank Sinatra. I like any of the 60s kind of icons. Uh, and then it just depends on really what inspires me. So I just kind of let the... Um, the art guide me. I know that sounds bizarre, but uh, things come to me, and I I can be driving along. I can see it in a dream. I just uh, I know what I'm going to paint every time. So so it's kind of like the Force in Star Wars. It is like the you Force. Know? It's not the Dark Force, but it is a Force. It's more like the Jedi Force. Yes, yeah, like, like uh, all, all the things you see around you. Like um, you know, I'm looking at the view out of my uh, my, my uh, win- window here. Um, gorgeous blue skies mm-hmm. um, out here, and um, I'd say if I was still painting, I'd probably have a crack at it myself. <laughs> so it yeah, look, it looks, you know, it's just um, it's just that that beautiful sort of like blue sky before before the sun goes down, you know, and the sun sun probably going down in about an hour and a half here, um, probably less than that. Um, but nice. yeah, it's kind of you know. So basically, you're you're you you've got this uh, kind of like Jedi force that compels you to paint particular topics. I do, I do. and you you mentioned the the sunset and the and the sky. I, I do pull from colors from from nature. I mean, I can be 
at a cafe or at a friend's house. And if I look out the window and I see greens paired with a, an, an orange flower and a purple flower, it does inspire me. I do try to pull color combinations from nature. Um, I think it's, you know, it's everything working around us. Uh, I, and for me, what contributes to my art. So yeah, it is, it is kind of Jedi Force-like. Yeah, I just wish I had a decent camera so I could actually take a picture of this view I got from a window and just send it to you. Um, it's oh, yeah. gorgeous. You know, there's, yeah. a, there's a big ugly house in the way, but <laughs> from what I can see of the sky here, it's just gorgeous. I've, uh, I've been to London, and it was, um, it was, I loved it. I want to go back. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm in the north of the country. I'm in the northwest. Um, I'm actually from uh, Manchester, and I, oh, I have a friend in Manchester. Yeah, I come from the south of Manchester, and I'm, I'm literally just round down the road from Manchester United's training ground. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. A very, it's a very short cycling away, um, and I'm about six six miles away from the um, from 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 their their, their actual where, where they actually play Old Trafford. So, okay. So okay. I'm, I'm, I'm nice. I'd be nicely placed if I was a football fan. <laughs> Yeah, the, the countryside there is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm actually right on the Cheshire Greenbelt. Um, you know, just just beyond behind where I am, there's actually a there's actually a farm, and oh, okay. uh, there's kind of like um, a pathway which um, you know yeah, take which is it's it's all beautiful countryside right around yeah. around the back 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 of, back of the, um, the estate where I live. Um, nice. So there's you know there's a lot of. Um, there's a lot of, lot of nice scenery and stuff like like, like that, which you know, I should imagine any artist would, you, would, you know, if they, if they were to come to some of the places that I know of, they'd probably be in the element. Well, yeah, I think I, I think definitely the surroundings can be very inspirational, no matter what kind of artist you are. You can be a musician, and I think that nature and your surroundings definitely can inspire you. Uh, back in 2010, you actually became very interested in G.I. Joe and adopted your own spin on the Baroness, um, and you became the Blonde Baroness. Right. Um, what was the fascination for you in, in G.I. Joe in particular? Um, or there, there were not a lot of female characters uh, with G.I. Joe, and um, I, I liked the main character, the Baroness, and she was the, the villain, or the villainess, if you will. And uh, I, I, don't, I, I kind of have always rooted for the underdog in, in different... <laughs> movies mm-hmm. so um i i just i don't i liked her I, she was so strong femme fatale and um there wasn't i mean to me there it wasn't like as noted as as star wars but i could see that it was gaining a lot of momentum with the new films and um i just took an interest in it mm-hmm. so she was the character i mean there was just no doubt about it so have you kind of like um with your interest have you gone back to this on like gi joe comics and the animated series and stuff like that and talking about that stuff as well um i i have a, a collection of the comics and um a bunch of the figures and i uh i painted a few, I have a whole series that I'm doing where I put a, um, kind of a quirky narrative with, with one of the characters. Um, sometimes I paint them alone. Uh, I paint him like the 1980s, uh, kind of the true version mm-hmm. of the character on the Desio art cards. Um, the Desio cards gives a description of each G.I. Joe character, and there's there's just tons of, of male characters and then a few female so I have a whole a whole art series that I've I've done on the GI Joe characters. So yeah, I mean I I do have a a broad interest with my art and and with GI Joe. There's a lot of levels to it, but it's, I think that's with anything with performance art. And then if you get into co- the collectability of 
you know, with G.I. Joe, Star Wars, um, any of it. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say, I, would, you, would you interested in the Baroness more because she's kind of like the villain sort of thing, as in probably a more outspoken sort of character? Uh, or is it, was it purely and simply because there's not really any females in the um, amongst the good guys, or not many? Um, I I liked her whole look. Um, I mean, she was you know she's just a, a strong character, and I liked the entire look. So it wasn't just that she was you know I was limited in the characters of of GI Joe for female. Um, I just, I didn't see a lot of it when I went to Comic-Con and I thought I'm going to make a costume and I'm going to go. And, and I did, um, and I wore a, uh, a dark wig cause she's a, br- she's a brunette. And then I, I changed the following year. I just went as, as myself as a blonde and, um, I was immediately coined the blonde baroness. And I mean, with, I think with any of the, of the collectors out there, and there's a lot of them at Comic-Con, um, they notice when you're not true to the character. You know, if you're not wearing exactly what you're supposed to, they'll point it out to you. Mm-hmm. And um, so it, it was pointed out to me, like, immediately, you know, the Baroness is not blonde. And uh, so I was coined the Blonde Baroness, and I just went with it. And then I started painting different things, and I got to, I just got really into it. Because mm-hmm. I'm, sci- I'm a sci-fi I'm a I'm a nerd anyway, so I, I get into all that stuff, and it was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say one thing that surprises me um, about the GI Joe stuff. Um, I'm just wondering because I'm, I'm actually opening the store selling these in the UK pretty soon. But have you seen the Have you seen the little pop vinyl figures that you can get? With just really small bodies and the giant heads, you know, the Funko by Funko. Oh, the bobble. Yeah, have you have you seen those? Yes. And and I'm just you know, I just think it'd be really cool if if they did a GI Joe series and and maybe you know may, maybe you could actually you know get one of the blank ones because you can get you can get you can get plain ones that haven't been painted. And I was just thinking maybe you could get one of the uh, plain ones and paint it up as the blonde Baroness. That would be kind of fun. You know? Um. I've actually been working on a, um, a blonde Baroness figure, and the <clears throat> excuse me, the GI Joe figures, um, the collect the well, they come in a couple different sizes, but the smaller ones. Um, there is a, a company that's out of China, and so I've been doing a um, a prototype of the blonde Baroness. Cool. So yeah, yeah the, the, um, and do you have many buyers for it? For it, have you have you got quite a lot of pre-orders for that? No, because I haven't put it out there yet. I've just been. Um, I got the figure, and then I I hand painted the hair, and um, uh, so no, I, I haven't put it out there yet. I I think it could be something um, if it's marketed correctly. Well, you know, it's certainly you know be be a fun, unique item for people that are into GI Joe, I guess, because you know. Are you, are you going to do kind of like a limited run? Say, oh, maybe, maybe do only five hundred of them or something like that. Yeah, I would definitely do a limited run. I mean, I, even with artwork, I, I, it's. I think it's important to do um, a limited run on on things. You know, for the for the for the collectability of it, and uh, to answer your question, yes. But I still have to do a lot of research on it. But I have been been toying around toying around with it. Pardon the pun. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, they are, they are, you know, action figures. I guess they do come under toys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Some yeah. people would say. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I don't. I, I personally, um, I don't see them as toys. I, I see them as collectibles, um, in the same way as I see comics as graphic novels. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you there. I, 
they're action figures and um i somebody at a, a convention had said had mentioned them and, and used the word doll and uh, people like came unglued because they're not dolls <laughs> they're action figures so gotta always get the terminology right if you're around collectors mm, it's, it's almost a pity you can't do a little skit with that you know a little sort of like star wars get different you know tagging the difference between a doll and an action figure you know, a bit, like, a bit like the scene where where uh, Chewbacca's um, losing to R2-D2 at that game and and Harrison Ford says, well, the difference is, um, you know, um, a droid's not going to tear your arm off <laughs> when it loses, yeah. sort of thing. So there's a pity you can't do something like a skit like that, differentiating between dolls and action figures. <laughs> You know, it definitely gives me an idea. Gives mm. me more material. <laughs> yeah, it's just the one one of those crazy little thoughts that you know comes to you, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you know, um, do, do you, so you also remember being here, um, action figures and, and and stuff like that. Is it just GI Joe stuff, or do you have a lot of other other stuff as well? Uh, GI Joe, Star Wars. Um, Mostly Star Wars and G.I. Joe. Trying to think of it. There's a couple of things. Some Transformers. Um, I love Star Wars. I mean, I, honestly, I could I could have that movie on every day and watch mm-hmm. it. it. It's it's crazy. Yeah. The, I, the, I never get sick of it. Any of them. I'm kind of the same, but only with the, the original trilogy. Oh, yeah. I love the I'm, original trilogy. I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not as big a fan of the prequel trilogy. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, I know what you're saying. You know, um, I kind of wish I could invent a time machine, go back in time, and scream in George Lucas's ear, "Don't!" <laughs> you know, you know, sort of like be, be, be a little bird on his shoulder when he's coming up with the name Jar Jar Binks. You know, just do the just do the whole Luke Skywalker thing. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, just, yeah, uh, there's a lot of people that are like irritated about Jar Jar Binks. Well, you know, you got way too much screen time in the um, in, in the first film. Um, but I guess you know when, when you think about it, the original Star Wars uh, movies were for kids. Um, that that was sort of like kind of the audience it was aimed at. You know, kids are are, are families, I guess. Yeah. And and I guess in a way, George Lucas was thinking of that very audience when he came up with Jar Jar Binks. But I think he was also thinking ka-ching! Merchandising, action figure, Jar Jar Binks, you know? Probably. I mean, I, I'm sure that comes into play with everything, but um, I think him especially, though, he's sort he's has been the black sheep for a long time as far as he paved the way, his way, that he wanted to, you know, without... I mean, I've read a little bit about him, and um, he's interesting. He, he, he's an interesting person. He, he is a very interesting person. It's, it's, it's kind of funny because... He divides, you know, the fandom of his own, of his own, of, of his own movies. You know, there's this, uh-huh. this, this sort of like cross, this cross section of fans that are ringing off him, and then there's another cross section of fans that really, really can't stand him. It's really, really funny. It's, um, know. you know, that 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 for me has got to be the genius of George Lucas. You know. Yeah, because I think any attentions, you know, in in that type of world's good. It's fine. Mm -hmm. It just brings you more to the forefront. So I bet you're looking forward to the new Star Wars trilogy. I am. I am. From what's on regular TV, I mean, I I pretty much just do Netflix now. I don't even watch regular TV. Um, I just think TV has gotten so far from from what I I grew up with and, and, and really what I want my my son my son's eleven what I want him to see. So anytime there's 
uh, more Star Wars or, or that type of thing, I, I'm all for it because I think that, that those type of movies and that type of viewing are, it's just, it's good. You know, it's good, uh, for the youth. There's just a lot of bad stuff out there. Yeah, I mean, I've noticed as well, um, a lot of science fiction on TV now, uh, they've always got the federal government involved and stuff like that, and I, I don't like that. It's kind of gone sort of like federal governments in sex files, where where the good guys are always the government and, and, and the villains are always some aliens and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, like with the, with the new V series they did, they did the remake of V a few years ago, uh-huh. It was an FBI uh, I agent. I loved the original. I love that movie. I, I love the original because the, the resistance was made up of ordinary people from different walks of yes. life. And that that was the, that was the, that was the, that was the, what sold it to me as well as the villains, is, you know. Whereas now now if the got if you know the heroes have to be members of the federal government or members of law enforcement, and I can't for the life of me figure out why 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 the um, why why it's gotten so narrow um, in in that field. You no, know, why why it I can't be. I have no idea, but I remember totally being into the original B. You know, I, I remember trying to do, I remember trying to draw Diana with her mouth opening, so I went to guinea pig, <laughs> and I never, I never coped with it. I was going to say, how'd that work out for you? <laughs> not, not, not well. <laughs> I, I think there was, um, I think there was sort of like um, a bunch of paper piled high in the wastebasket. <laughs> trying to do that, but you know, I, 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 I'd love to see someone actually paint that. You know, as as her jaw contracts and opens, and she takes that guinea pig down a throw. Oh gosh, I totally remember that. Yeah, I, I think I think that's actually the iconic scene in V. That and the big reveal that there are lizards under the skin. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I totally mm. agree with you there. And it kind of got you know, and, and the birth of the uh, the birth of the twin lizards as well. You know, the birth of yeah. the star child. I remember, I remember it coming out. It came out the same year as the '84 Olympics here in the UK, and uh, you know they they shown that uh, scene where 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 the baby lizard comes out, and we're all sat there, you know, try, try, trying to figure out whether we're meant to be horrified or laughing. It just <laughs> it just didn't. It just looked really really fake, but at the same time, it was so sort of like quite compelling to, compelling to watch. Well, you know, um, lots of lots of visual possibilities in V, I guess, for an artist there. Well, yeah, I, I think that in in general with sci-fi and, and there's there's endless possibilities, but I, you have to be into it. I mean, I'm I'm into it, and uh, I mean, I think there's some people that can't identify with it. I don't understand why. I, I've just always loved the sci-fi and the whole fantasy thing, so. It works for me, and I, I, I look at it like you do. There's just endless possibilities for painting and drawing. Well, I, I was, um, you know, it, it's not it's, it's not like just the uh, the visual side of it as well. I mean, you know, some some of the movie scores that you've had, you know, for you know films like the original Planet of the Apes had a really unusual music score. Uh, the John uh-huh. Williams score for Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Superman. Oh. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it's, it, as far as the as far as the visual stuff goes, the the, the, the sound and the music, you know, comp, you know, they, it's it's one of those things where, you know, visual art and music just comes together and complements each other. Did you like the Planet of the Apes with Mark Wahlberg? Did you like that one? Uh, when that came out? What what one was that? The new one, the newer one of the Planet of the Apes. 
Mm, nope. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I like the original as well too. I mean, I, I like I like the way that they had the apes behaving and and the way the way that the the apes were moving in in the Mark Wahlberg one, but. Um, uh-huh. The storyline and, and and the actual film, and just just didn't like it. But I like the way they had them moving like apes in that, which is something that the uh, that Rise of the Planet Apes picked up on. I mean, I, uh-huh. love, I love the new ones, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Have you seen that one? I haven't seen that one. Um, was um, you know, I think it was uh, James Franco was in it. And, uh, oh, sorry. I did see that, and I didn't care for that one. That's why I don't remember it. It wasn't my favorite. Well, they've got, they've got a sequel to that coming out this year. Uh, it comes out this month. Um, and I, I kind of like that one um, better than the uh, Mark Wahlberg one. But yeah. I, I, I'm still very, very much more into the originals, because I think, I think oh. the makeup that they did on those original things was fantastic. That's incredible. You know, it's it's you know you got going back over over the over the decades in film. You know, just see how how special effects makeup has come on from from the early days of from the stuff Ray Harryhausen was doing back in the day yeah. and to, to how, how it is now because. It's it's kind of it's kind of great because Ray Harryhausen started started working like in the forties, mm-hmm. right right through to you know his eventual retirement, and uh, sadly we lost him last year or was it the year yeah. before? But you know some of the stuff he did in in those uh, in in those movies that he did with you know Jason the Argonauts and stuff like that. Watching the watching the models move around and the, the amount of human expression that he manages to get into those, those models, you kind of feel sad when 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 the hero actually kills them. Well, yeah, I mean that that's just to be able to create that those type of masks. I mean that's an art form in itself for sure. I mean there's that's so limited to there's that's not like masses of people can do that. Well, it's 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 what well, you know. Something to say to my nephews. So I dig into a, a lot of the CGI stuff, and says, "Well, you know, CGI is great, but you should try watching some of this stuff. It may look kind of goofy to you, but if you look at the expressions and the way that these these things are moving, is actually is actually actually proper human emotion driving driving that performance sort of thing. And um, I don't care what you say about it. I don't think CGI is ever going to be able to do that." <laughs> <laughs> but you're you're telling the youth that, so. <laughs> well, you know, he's 18. And he doesn't even like the original Star Trek series. He thinks it's boring. Yeah, he loves the new. Oh my movies. god, I love the original Star Trek. I I loved all that. Mm. I think he doesn't like it because I had it on all the time. Oh, <laughs> he was round, and he's kind of like rebelled against it. <laughs> Sort yeah. of thing. Um, but yeah, I love the I love the original Star Wars. You know, I just love all, all of that stuff in science fiction because of the the, the visual art side, as well as the uh, as well as the music, uh, and also not not forgetting you know the good stories. Well, I mean that's that's the thing that so much has been replaced with um, a good story has been been taken out and left more room for action or violence or and it does it takes away something. It's like I love the the older movies for the same reason you do. It's the storyline. I don't even I don't care if they're if they're slower. There's you get into it more. I mean you when you're done watching it. I mean, for me, I think about it for days after. And with the newer stuff, I don't. And I think it's because they're just cr- trying to cram too much stuff in one movie. Yeah, I didn't like the new Superman movie. Man of Steel hated it. Mm-hmm. You just saw, like, uh, you know, there's a scene in it where Superman steals some lo- somebody's laundry. It's, right. He, he nicks some clothes off a line. And since when Superman had to do that? <laughs> 
you know, Superman wouldn't do that. He's, you know, he's too, you know, e- even in the comics, he wouldn't do that. <laughs> right, you know, right. He's too Boy Scout to do do something like that. Yeah, that's you know, true. I can see Batman doing that if he's hard up and don't have any money, but Superman, nah. <laughs> So that that's another trend I don't like in in, in current movies. They'll, they'll have you know like DC doing it now um, and Warner Brothers. They had great success with the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, which were kind kind of dark and edgy. Uh-huh. And really good movies. I I enjoyed the first two. Um, but now because those were so successful, they decided to do the same thing with Superman. And right. You know, to my mind, you know that that isn't Superman. I agree. And, I agree with you. And um, I don't, I don't think Superman's exactly Christopher Reeve's Superman as well. But Christopher Reeve's Superman is is the Superman that I grew up watching and enjoyed, as well as you know uh, various animated shows. I mean, here in here in England during the uh, during the seventies and eighties when we was getting that, we we had a. Um, you know, we had we had the cartoon shows from the sixties still being being shown on on um, on UK television, and they they were probably aired in the sixties in in the states, but they'll start like, airing for the first time in the seventies over here. You know, and yeah. th- th- those are the sort of things that um, I am brought up with, and obviously I was brought up with, and obviously I read I've read the comics as well. Um, and seeing how they've changed all all years. Um, yeah, yeah. How, how does um, how how does Blonde Baroness actually go over with the fans now at the conventions? I think you've already talked about it a little bit, as in they 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 pull you up and say, "Oh, the Baroness isn't blonde," sort of thing. Um, but has she kind of become popular? Well, yeah, the, I put them under my spell, and then they convert, <laughs> and <laughs> then they're all good. So, so, so they're, they don't they're care if I'm blonde. They just want a picture with me. Mm. Yeah. So, so you're kind of like a, you're kind of like a convention succubus. You you bend them all to your will. Yeah, pretty much. I I use that. Uh, I I do use the dark side there. Mm-hmm. How about that? Absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, aside from aside from pop culture and science fiction and fantasy, um, and, and you touched on this a little bit already in in terms of nature. Um, what what other things inspire you, inspire you as an artist? Um, well, if I go to museums and I see um, I, once in a while, I go for a uh, photography show or even go to a gallery and look at the old masters. That's always inspiring to me. Um, I would say what is the most inspiring to me consistently would be people that I have met along the way in my life that aren't necessarily artists, but they have done something in their life or they're driven, they're motivated, whatever their passion is, they've, they've stuck to it and, and carried through. And people like that have always um, inspired me. And I feel like when I have a thought or I, there's something that I, I need to express as an artist, I think about those people that I've met along the way because I, I really do feel like if you stick to your passion and you give it everything that you have and you're consistent and you don't give up, that things do, there's a natural law and order that things do happen for you. And, and I see that in my life already. I'm, I've done a, a huge change mm-hmm. in, in just what I, I, I did for a living and, and now doing this and it's, it's taken off in such a short amount of time. But I, I mean, it's it's everything I do. I live, eat, breathe it. Well, I just had a thought um, with the Blonde Baroness. Have you thought of um, with you being an artist and that? Have you thought of trying to find a writer and doing a comic book? That's that's really crazy that you mentioned that because yes, I I, I have. Um, it's something that is definitely um, may happen in the future. Yes. 
But you know, I'm just giving you my 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 geek pass for my 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 Star Wars uh thing. So you know, like 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 say with the uh, with bobbleheads, it's kind of like going full circle. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny how that, that just happens, you know, in life. But I, I, I think the key is, um, again, sticking to, you know, your passion. And I, I think you can come. I think what happens is so many people give up or they listen to too many outside or outside opinions. And um, I think things can come full circle if you just stick to what what your your passion is. Yeah, one one of the things I'd, I'd love to do eventually with, with sci-fi posts and stuff like that is, you know, if it ever does so I get to a point where it actually makes me some money, <laughs> I'd love to actually, you know, I'm not saying, I don't want to be rich. I don't want to be rich. I don't want to be a millionaire. I don't want to be famous or anything like that. It'd be nice if it made some money so I could actually go to conventions and say, well, I'm, I, I'm, I'm here and I, I run Sci-Fi Pulse and, uh, and, and just mix and ming- mingle with some of the fans. I mean, there's conventions here in the UK, but they're usually like halfway across the country. <laughs> yeah, the, the different sci-fi. I mean, I um, first of all, I think the Sci-Fi Pulse is a great name, and I like the I like the logo. If I'm not listening to music when I'm doing my art at night, I have a confession. I listen to <laughs> I listen to Coast to Coast with George Norrie, the Paranorma uh, channel, which is a, incorporates a lot of sci-fi. I, I call it the sci-fi radio channel for here, out here, on the on California. And uh, he has a huge following, and I think there, there's just more and more people that are into sci-fi. I mean, some of it's kind of crazy, um, but it's always interesting and. Uh, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to, afterwards, I'm going to read, I'm going to go on your site and I was listening to some of your podcasts. I found them interesting. Yeah, I'm sort of very opinionated and outspoken on my podcast and I, I swear and cuss a lot <laughs> sometimes. Um, I, I, isn't that English thing, isn't it? <laughs> I, it's, it's funny because um, I, I was actually in partnership with some people a while back. And was looking to sort of, you know, try and try and do something with with uh, with, with sort of various things. And uh, one of the things that they objected to was the um, was was my my uh, my use of a colourful metaphor, shall we say? <laughs> um, and you know, to be honest, I'm I'm pretty tame in comparison to a lot of people out there. But I, I won't say it's an English thing. It's um, me- I was joking. <laughs> But my friends that are from from England, they not not all of them, but some of them, they I don't know, they like to drink and cuss and smoke. That's what kind of stands out for me. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Um, I quit smoking ten years ago. <laughs> um, I you know I I like I like to have a drink every now and again, but in comparison to my sister, I'm a nightweight. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's, kind, it's kind of interesting in, in a sense, um, you know, the differences between English and American culture. For example, in, in America, there's, there's not going to be such a stink if there's a really violent scene on the television. Yeah, uh-huh. where, where if someone says the word, um, um, when someone says, says the F word or drops an F bomb in American right. television, it's kind of like usually for, hmm, we, we're going to censor that out. We can't have that. We can't have the F bomb in, in, in this show sort of thing. Whereas in, if it was a British show, that show, they just need the F-bombs in. 
Right, right, yeah. You know, um, but uh, the, in the in the British show, they they, they divide the Neville with violence sort of thing. Messy. Like an example was, uh, do you remember Torchwood Children of Earth? You know, the, the Torchwood Miracle Day thing that they did a few years back? Right. Mm-hmm. They did two versions of one episode of that. Um, you know, they, well, actually they did two versions of the whole series. One for the American market and one for the UK market. And basically the one for the UK market, um, a lot of the violence was sort of like cut back, you know. It, it was still it was it was still quite violent in some of the scenes, but they they kind of like uh, softened it a little bit for the UK market. And the American version, you know, sort of like uh, kept the edginess to it and, and stuff like that. So you know what I did, don't you? I just downloaded the American version <laughs> 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 because um, and did it in protest as well because the the UK was showing it a week later than the, than it was being shown in the US. And I thought, well, that's wrong, because Torchwood's a British show, you know? It's, it was created in this country. Uh, I don't care if stars are footing the bill for it, you know? It should air at the same time here as it airs over in the States. Right. You know? Um, but it, it's, it's interesting, the difference in, 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 in culture between England and, and America on, 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 on what, what, what is deemed as acceptable to be shown on mainstream television and what isn't. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's, um, it's, it's kind of a, you know, it's kind, it's kind, kind of a fun one because it's all based with double standards at the end of the day. And I, I, just, um, I, I just find that fascinating. <laughs> Um, well, anyway, Anissa, it's been great speaking to you. Yeah, you too. Steve Lund and I play the character Nick Sorrentino on the new sci-fi and space series Bitten and you are listening to Sci-Fi Pulse Radio.com taking the pulse of sci-fi well hope you enjoyed that um Thanks for listening, and we'll be back um, at you again um, in a couple of weeks' time. Um, next week, um, Mats is going to be running out um, a new episode of uh, Genretainment, which is going to be his first for a while. Um, and apparently he's he's got quite a few interviews, so there's going to be quite a few interviews on that show um, uh, with various um, web series creators and um, and other things that were going on at the uh, at the convention that he recently attended in Boston. So you've got a lot to look forward to there. Um, thanks as always for listening, and uh, please continue to support us here at SciFiPulseRadio.com. And you know, if you if you want one of these people that likes to uh, read news and and get it before the podcast, um, we we actually have um, quite a few news stories over at SciFiPulse.net as well. So. Um, As always, thanks for listening and we'll be back at you next week.